daughter of the soil. Right, Jordan, and let her right, Jordan. We come to give God praise to lift up his holy name. Because he said in his word, if he be lifted up, he will draw souls unto him. So here we are to lift up his holy name. That soul be saved.
So today we'll be starting, or should I say continuing from what we started last week pertaining to why do Christians worship on Sundays. So the title today is How or by Whom Was Worshipping on Sunday Introduced to the New Testament Church. So the scriptures will be taken from the New King James Version Bible. And I'll actually take my time in giving the scriptures so persons who are required to take notes will be able to do so. Now, by whom then was this tradition of worshiping on Sundays first introduced to the early church? Now, the answer to that question, brethren, will surely go a long way in clarifying certain misconceptions surrounding the custom of worshiping on Sundays. Now, since Jesus Christ is the founder, builder, and head of his church, as confirmed in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, and Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, one would expect that he would have had an input in this phenomenon of worshiping on Sundays. In this regard, now the first thing that strikes one is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. Now to confirm that statement, I would like persons to read Mark chapter 16 verse 9, Luke chapter 24 verse 1 to 7, and Luke chapter 13, verse 21. Now, on that said Resurrection Sunday, he also appeared to his disciples, which can be confirmed by reading John chapter 20, verse 19. Then one week later, that is, on the following Sunday, he again appeared to his disciples when he also proved to Thomas, who was absent on the pre previous Sunday, that he was in fact risen from the dead, which can be confirmed by reading John chapter 20 from verse 26 to 29. Now, to prove that Jesus' post-resurrection Mostly Sunday appearances were not merely coincidental. 50 days after his resurrection, the promised Holy Ghost, which can be confirmed by reading John chapter 14 from verse 15 to 18, John chapter 16 verse 7, John chapter 12, no, John chapter 16 verse 7 and verses 12 to 13 right so i'm just going to repeat that again 
John chapter 14 from verse 15 to 18. John chapter 16, verse 7. And you're taking it from verse 12 to 13 also, right? Now, the promised Holy Ghost fell on 120 of Jesus' disciples on the first day of the week. So for confirmation, see Leviticus chapter 23 from verse 15 to 16 and verse 21. And understand that the day on which the Holy Ghost was ordained to fall must be the morrow after the seventh Sabbath after the Feast of First Fruits. Therefore, on a Sunday, the first day of the week, if you wish, or if you please, my dear Sabbath-keeping friends, is it not shockingly strange that although Jesus spent some 40 days upon planet Earth after his resurrection, but before his visible ascension, that during those eternally important days, he made no recorded visit to the Jewish temple nor synagogue on any of those five sabbaths that elapsed is it not significant that jesus whose pre-crucifixion custom was to visit the synagogue on the sabbath days did not pay one recorded visit to his jewish brethren according to the flesh on one of those five sabbaths and is it not significant that he opted instead for visiting his true disciples mostly on Sundays, as the biblical records clearly indicate. Brethren, we all must agree that this is surely significant. Be you a Sabbath keeper or not a Sabbath keeper. Now, this being the case, what then can we learn from Jesus' post-resurrection custom of visiting his true disciples mostly on Sundays? If nothing else, we can glean the following. By refraining from making any documented Sabbath visits after his resurrection, but opting instead for visiting his disciples mostly on Sundays. Jesus, the head of the new creation, who has promised to make all things new, as confirmed in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, was undoubtedly endeavoring to instill in his disciples the new principle of putting God first by worshiping him in a new way, even on Sundays, the first day of the week. So by appearing only on Sundays after his resurrection, Jesus was then introducing, by example, to his New Testament disciples, the ordinance of worshiping on Sundays. Now, in a practical way, therefore, he was saying to them, Now that I have established the, the, the new covenant by shedding my precious, sinless blood, thereby enabling you to have access to the very presence of God, I am now introducing you to this peculiar way of worshiping God in a new way, even on a new day, even on Sunday. 
the first day of the week. So I repeat, my dear Sabbath keeping friends, that Jesus' regular post resurrection Sunday visits to his disciples were not coincidental. Instead, they were doctrinally educational. They were intended to be object lessons designed to inform them that they were to worship him in a new way. Even on a new day, even on Sunday, his resurrection day. This, my brethren, explains one of the reasons for Jesus' post-resurrection, mostly Sunday visits to his disciples. Now, in confirmation of what I just said, I humbly invite everyone who's listening once more to look closely at the first post-resurrection. Evangelistic crusade of the early church which took place on Pentecost Sunday. Now, to see what lessons we can learn from this New Testament tradition of worshiping God on Sundays, for a clear appreciation of what actually happened on that first New Testament Pentecostal Sunday evangelistic outreach meeting would undoubtedly go a long way towards clarifying the old Sabbath keepers teaching that the holding of weekly church services on Sundays is heathenism of Roman Catholic origin and is therefore the mark of the beast. Now, well, to clarify those misconceptions, let us look in the books of Acts, right? So according to Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 47, the 120 disciples who obeyed Jesus' instructions and waited for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost really had church on that first New Testament Pentecostal Sunday. You see, the following facts clearly testify to God's approval for the holding of weekly worship services on Sundays by New Testament believers in this dispensation of grace. So, one, God answered Jesus' prayer concerning the sending of the Comforter, which is confirmed by reading John chapter 14 from verse 15 to 16. And sent the Holy Ghost on Pentecostal Sunday, which is confirmed in Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4, right, which that is an historical fact two jesus himself fulfilled his promise to send the comforter which is in john chapter 16 verse 17 and sent same on pentecost sunday in acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. three Jesus also fulfilled John the Baptist's prophecy that Jesus would baptize his followers with the Holy Ghost and fire, which is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This Jesus did on Pentecost Sunday, which is in Acts chapter 2, from verse 1 to 4. Number 4, on Pentecost Sunday also, 
Isaiah's prophecy of speaking with stammering lips and another tongue was likewise fulfilled. You can read it in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 11 and Acts chapter 2 verse 4. 5. On Pentecost Sunday also, the 120 fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy of entering into God's rest and refreshing. That's taken from Isaiah chapter 28 verse 12. Also, number six, also on Pentecost Sunday, the entire 120 disciples individually proclaimed the wonderful works of God, which can be confirmed by reading Acts chapter 2 from verse 7 to 11. Number seven, on that said Pentecost Sunday also, 3,000 souls were added to the church. That's in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Also, number 8. Also, on that first Pentecost Sunday, the church held its first post-resurrection baptismal service, baptizing some 3,000 converted souls, which can be found in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Number 9. We can now understand why the Apostle Paul kept his communion service on Sunday after spending seven days at Troas, which is confirmed in Acts chapter 20 from verse 6 to 12. And lastly, number 10. In addition, we can easily understand why the Apostle Paul instructed the churches from Corinth in the west to all the churches in far away Turkey in the east to set aside their offering for the saints when they held their regular weekly services on Sundays. This is confirmed in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 from verse 1 to 2. Now, my dear Sabbath-keeping friends and all sects, if it were right for Christ to establish his church on a Sunday, by baptizing his first 120 disciples with the Holy Ghost and fire. Is it not wrong for true Christians to assemble weekly on Sundays to worship their Creator, Lord, and Master? If it were appropriate for the Apostle Peter to preach his first post-Holy Ghost Baptist sermon, and baptize 3,000 souls on a Sunday. Is it now inappropriate for those who believe in and practice the apostles' tradition to assemble on Sundays for their regular weekly churches' services? Well, irrespective of how deeply involved you are in your Sabbath-keeping religion, you must admit that it is doctrinally sound and traditionally appropriate for true and doctrinally informed Christians to hold their weekly worship services on Sundays. For Jesus Christ himself introduced that tradition, which is taken from John chapter 20, verse 19 to 27. The Holy Ghost confirmed it, which one can read in Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 41. The Apostle Paul practiced and taught it, which can be read in Acts chapter 20 from verse 6 to 12, 
1 Corinthians chapter 16 from verse 1 to 2. And we, his followers today, surely believe the statement that I just made and the scriptures that I just read, and we practice the exact same thing. For these noble doctrinal reasons, therefore, all well-informed New Testament believers joyfully worship on Sundays. Now, my dear Sabbath-keeping friends, for the sake of your own edification, please answer these additional simple questions. Now, if it were proper for the Apostle Paul, the God-ordained Apostle to and teacher of the Gentiles, as we read in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, to refrain from keeping his weekly service on Saturday, but opted instead for keeping same on Sunday, the day on which he preached for hours, as we read in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, he kept the communion service, which can be confirmed in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, and raised the dead in Acts chapter 20, from verse 9 to 10. Is it now improper for true and informed Christians to keep their weekly service on Sundays? Sabbath and keeping friends. If it were right for the apostle to and teacher of the Gentiles, as we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, to instruct the Corinthian church in Greece in the West and all the churches in far away Galatia, or should we say Turkey, in the East, to lay aside a portion of their substance on the day on which they kept their weekly service, even on Sunday, which can be confirmed in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 from verse 1 to 2. Is it not wrong for us to follow that apostolic directive and tradition and keep our weekly services on Sundays? By now, even the strictest Sabbath keepers of our times must admit that the holding of our weekly church services on Sundays is Christ-ordained and was an apostolic practice tradition of the early church. So as I close, and based on the scriptures that I gave and the statements being made, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that worshiping on Sundays was introduced to the New Testament church by Jesus Christ himself, which can be confirmed in John chapter 20 from verse 19 to 27. And we also know that Jesus confirmed the same by sending the Holy Ghost to his church on Pentecost Sunday. So I will be live next week again. That's the end of my segment today. Bye for now and remember to keep safe and have a productive week.